Hello, everyone, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a podcast series brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. I'm Brian David Johnson, your futurist and the host of the podcast. So welcome to episode five of Navigating the Noise, where we're going to be looking at the future of IoT in the real world. Right. So IoT is the Internet of Things, this notion of smart, connected devices. We're beginning to see them more and more make their way into our homes and also into places where we're living. But what's the real implications of it? As we start thinking about the Internet of Things, there's a lot of hype. Certainly there's a lot of noise about it. We've been hearing about it for a while. But what we're going to do on today's show is we're going to get into the reality of it. What is the reality of designing for an experience to for people to have with all these devices? And how are people across the industry using these devices? So that's how we're going to do on the show today. And as we do in all of our shows, we will examine the subject from multiple angles, getting different perspectives and ideas in the, about the subject just in general, but then also how we can apply it specifically to the future of corporate housing and longer term rentals. The podcast is broken up into three segments. The first, the first segment is Road Ahead where I explore my futures research that I've been doing, looking outside of the industry at the bigger picture. And to do this, we'll bring on a guest who has an interesting perspective and who's been doing work in this area. Next, Marianne Passy, the CEO of CHPA, and I will discuss the implications of these futures with industry leaders in our section called What Matters. And then finally, we'll wrap everything up as we discuss the pragmatic actions you can take today to prepare for the future in our final segment, Three Things to Do. And so with that, let's get started. So in our first section of the podcast, The Road Ahead, we look at the broader futures work that I've been doing with CHBA and looking outside of the industry, looking at the kind of large future and where things are going. And in this episode, we're looking at the Internet of Things and the Internet of Things in general, but also in the real world. What's it really like to design for the Internet of Things? What's it really like to use them in corporate housing and longer term rentals? But I wanted to start because this is a little bit different. In the previous episodes that we've done, we've looked specifically at areas of research that I've been doing with CHPA over the past year or so. But this section is a little bit different. Now we're looking at something very, very uh, specific, being the Internet of Things and, and what it means to the industry. And so to do that, I thought we'd go back just a little bit, a little bit back in time, if you can, with, with your futurist. Um, and so I've been doing work as a, a, a technological futurist for over 20 years looking at technologies and how technologies make their way into our, our personal lives and into our business lives. And it was about 10 years ago, uh, the work that I do looks 10 years out at possible futures, both positive and negative. So about 10 years ago, a, a small little fact came across my desk. Um, at the time, I was the chief futurist at the Intel Corporation, the company that makes the chips that go into your computers and your phones and your TVs. And I was there, and it was my job as the chief futurist to figure out how people would act and interact with technology 10 years from now. And I would essentially write the specifications to say, okay, here's what people want to do, and we would use that to guide the, the technology. And so about 10 years ago, I was working with a colleague of mine, and this, this small little fact came across my desk, and it changed everything. 
You know, if you go back 10 years ago, it was just at the beginning of smartphones. The iPhone had just come out in 2007. It was really starting to transform things. You know, we were just starting to get um, smart TVs, but not that there weren't that many smart TVs. We, you know, we were still majority of us were still watching broadcast television. And so this fact was something that was very small and it was about something that was small as well. What it said was that by the year 2020, the size of meaningful computational power, so the size of the chip was going to get down to five nanometers. Now, five nanometers is about 12 atoms across. It is crazy small, right? It is, it is so small that we could have turned anything into a computer. And this, to me, radically transformed the compute landscape, because if you can turn anything into a computer, you have started asking yourself, well, why, right? If you could make this table, my desk here, you could make that a computer. You could turn my shirt into a computer, right? You could even turn your own body into a computer. And it, it changed everything. And we realized that for me, that the world that we started designing for would look very, very different. Well, and certainly that world has started to happen. Um, the, we now call it IOT or the Internet of Things. You've heard people call it the Internet of Everything. You've heard people call it ubiquitous computing. It's come by many names, but it's this notion that we'll be surrounded by computational power and we'll be surrounded by these smart devices. And I think that is, is a really interesting time, and it's a really interesting time because, you know, the Internet of Things, it's making its way into our lives from smart speakers to smart appliances to intelligence and communications that are really expanding. And beyond, beyond home use, companies are now implementing the industrial Internet of Things. These are industrial grade solutions in industries like manufacturing and energy that give us this very kind of pragmatic vision for how devices can be used. They use it for things like real time monitoring um, and even predictive uh, maintenance. This is a thing that we'll be talking about on the show is thinking about how can you use these devices to streamline your business? I do work in the energy sector, and you're seeing people using smart connected wind turbines to know when the turbine might break down and go and fix it a week before it breaks. So I think there's interesting things that we can pull from other industries and other areas that we can apply to what we're doing today. And that's really why I wanted to bring on uh, the guests that we have today because she has a, a background in design, has a background uh, where she's designed for products, she's designed for experiences, and I think she's gonna have some really great insights that'll help us start navigating this noise of the Internet of Things. So let's bring her on. Julie Jensen Bennett is the CEO of Precipice, a strategy and innovation consultancy based in London that helps companies design their future products, services, and technologies for the next 20 years. Julie and her team are experts in how people are changing and how that will change what we consume, practically our most personal products around the home, like food, drink, beauty, and healthcare. So Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So on this episode of Navigating the Noise, Julie, we've been talking about the Internet of Things and thinking about creating the experiences around that and thinking about what, what does it mean to have kind of this experience around the Internet of Things. And we've talked in, in several episodes and several sections of the podcast to different people around crafting experiences. People have said that they're not maybe a product company or they're not a technology company, they're an experience company. And you, over the past few years, you hear people using this, this word in this term that 
how do you craft the experience? How do you have a quality experience? How do you have a bespoke experience for your customers? Um, and that's one of the reasons why we want to have you on, on the show today is that that's what you do. You design experiences. You work with companies and think about how people, as you say, hack and interact with some of these really intimate products that they bring into their home, sometimes put into their bodies, put on their bodies. So you've been doing this work and doing it successfully for many years. So when you're thinking about experiences, how do you, how do you design and how do you approach that? That's that's such a great question because experience is the buzzword of the moment, isn't it? It's it's all about the experience economy. You hear about customer experience, user experience, experience design. Um, as reflecting, I spent six months of my life once studying the emotional experience of printers and printing, which sounds mundane on the surface, but turned out to be this tale that rivals Shakespeare for the heights of kind of comedy and tragedy that come in the world of printing. Um, uh, you know, so experiences are a really interesting thing to talk about, but most people think about experiences and experience design, like I just mentioned, like, uh, like a story, like a play, like a journey. I think that experiences are something that have a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, but what I've learned, um, over, over the years and, um, through a lot of hard experience, but also a lot of great literature and academic understanding is that it's really more useful to think about experience like a sandwich. Um, experiences have layers, um, which you can kind of, you know, get down to three layers. Um, so you start with your anticipated experience. This is the experience of fantasy, it's your expectations, it's anticipation, but it's also anxiety and it's fear, and all of those um, kind of pre-feelings about something that's going to happen. So um, I've got an example of like if, if you are planning to go on a business trip, maybe you're going to be a speaker at an industry event, maybe you're going to a foreign country that you haven't been to. Yeah, part of the, the anticipation of the experience is all the logistics. You're going to book your flights. You're going to choose a hotel. You're going to make sure that you've, you've got the right luggage allowance and a taxi to meet you. But think of all the other things you're also imagining, right? You're imagining the city that you're going to be going to, the people that you're going to be meeting, the room that you're going to be walking in. Um, and you're probably also imagining, like, what's that outfit that you're going to wear when you walk on that stage that makes you feel super confident and, and ready to, to, to present? Right. So there's all of that anticipation, which happens um, the moment, you know, you first conceive of an experience. The next layer or, or level is, uh, which kind of is a technical term, but it's the best one that we have, is your embodied experience. That's all of those things that you actually see and hear, that you touch, you smell, but also the things that you say and that you do. Um, and in this kind of actual embodied experience, some of the things that you encounter will be very familiar. Um, they, they'll be things that you've done before or they will happen exactly as you anticipated. Um, other things you encounter are, are maybe gonna be very different from your expectations. You might get a really good surprise, like an upgrade when you get to that, that hotel room that you booked, or you might encounter a problem like you get to the event and you're wearing the amazing outfit that you planned and then you discover that the microphone pack that they have for you doesn't work with what you're wearing, right? And all of a sudden you're in the midst of frustration, replanning, and your confidence is just, you know, diving at that moment in time, right? 
There's all of those embodied experiences that we have. And then sort of the last layer of the sandwich is the remembered experience, um, which what we remember is never the same as it actually happened, right? Um, every time that you encounter these differences between anticipation and reality, that heightens some parts of the experience. It suppresses others, right? The things that you just really don't want to think about that you forget. And these memories that you build in out about an experience change over time. So they don't, they, you know, they don't match the embodied experience that you have. And they won't stay the same, you know, three days, six months, a year from now. Um, if you think about, you know, you've been on this, this, this trip, what are you going to put on your social media feed later, right? What is, what is this memory or this kind of artifact of this experience that you give to the world? You know, do you retweet the praise that you got from your speech? Or do you like Instagram this, you know, you, you're at the airport, you're heading home and you find your favorite ice cream cone um, at, at the airport. And that just kind of delights you, amazes you. And it, it evokes all these things and nostalgia and familiarity. And yeah, I did this. And, you know, that's what you choose to kind of remember and, and, and sum up your experience. So you, you, you've, you've got all these layers going on. But the really freaky part about experience is that these three layers don't happen in sequence. They have words like anticipation and memory, which think that they happen in time. But if you think about at any moment in your life, you are doing all three things at the same time. You are always anticipating, you're always sensing, you're always remembering. Um, it's kind of like you live in the past, present, and future simultaneously. Um, and so you're always cross-referencing, comparing, and it's, it's this thing that you're doing between the layers of your experience, which is how you construct emotions, which is how you construct your feelings um, going on at this point in time. Um, so kind of the irony of experience design or being an experience designer is that I don't get to design your experience. I don't get to design how you feel. I don't get to design what it means to you. Um, I, I have no control over all of these layers um, that, are, that are happening in your life and in your mind that, that really determine what, you know, what you're experiencing. But what I can do as an experience designer is I can think about those elements of your experience in a way that you can't when you're in the midst of it. And I can also apply a lot of methods and theory from social science to help better understand your own experience, again, in a way that you can't necessarily understand from your own perspective. And I can use that insight to create what I like to call kind of conditions of possibility. I can sort of stack the odds so that better experiences are possible for people. So kind of if I go back to the sandwich example, it's like if I'm an experience designer and I just focus on the middle, um, kind of that actual um, you know, the things that you do, that you see, that you touch, that you feel, it's kind of like giving you a pot of jam to eat out of the, the pot with a spoon. But if I also make sure there's the bread, you know, and maybe some peanut butter and maybe some banana, that's a bit of a surprise. It's going to be this much more satisfying, nourishing, memorable experience than just eating jam out of the jar with a spoon. Um, and ultimately, this is, although it sounds incredibly, you know, I say, well, you can't, you can't design experiences. You go, well, then why bother? Why are we talking about it? It, it sounds too complicated to do anything about. 
the point is that those emotions that experiences evoke is how people set the value on the product or the service that you're supplying within that experience. Um, it's determining the price they'll pay. Absolutely, literally, it's cash value on the table, those emotions. And so if you ignore those emotions, if you ignore the complexity of that experience, or you just let it happen randomly, it's basically like you're leaving money on the table. So that's, that's how I think about experience design, um, is really about layering um, that past, present, and future, and, and creating those conditions of possibility so that you can construct an experience um, on your own terms. That's really helpful, that, that approach of those, of those three layers. Yeah, the, I, the idea that it, the, the sort of the DNA of, um, of experiences and crafting that, of, of that anticipation of the embodiment and of the, of the remembrance and that they're all going on at the same time. That's, I think, really pragmatic and, and, and really helpful um, and, and really fascinating, actually, as a way to kind of apply that. And again, like as you say, to understand that you don't have the ability to, when we talk about experiences, to actually, you can't make that experience, like you could make a product or make a thing, but what you can do is put the, the right ingredients in front of people to go and do that. One of the things also I can tell you, Julie, as a, as a part of navigating the noise on the uh, CHPA website, we also like to do infographics, and I can probably right now hear the designers jumping up and down with glee somewhere in the background, thinking about the sandwich infographic that we're going to make that uh, breaks down what an experience is. You've probably made some designers very, very happy. But, um, <laughs> so as I, um, let's, let's actually think about the, the Internet of Things now. So, so bringing that back, I know you've you have done work in these areas, as you said, around beauty and around food, but you also do technology design. You even have a, 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 a technology approach, technological approach to many things. So when you start designing experiences for the Internet of Things, right, you have these devices that are smart and that are connected and they'll be in our homes and in our um, uh, where we stay. When you're designing experiences and when you're thinking about designing the experiences for the Internet of Things and these technologies, for you and, and your team, how do you think about that? Yeah, because the, the, you, you really can't distinguish anymore between what's, a consumer, you know, what's like a, a consumer good product, like food or drink or beauty, and what's a technology product. These, these categories are collapsing and colliding um, in amazing, um, interesting ways. Um, but I think uh, what really strikes me about your question and your description is, and even the term Internet of Things, is the focus is on the object, right? We think we have all of these things, and these are smart and connected and computing objects that are populating our house, like the smart fridge and the smart thermostat, or like we worked on a smart pet collar um, that, um, that you know, connects your cat to the Internet of Things. Um, and I know from working with you in the past, Brian, that if you were going to draw a picture of the Internet of Things, um, the, the most important thing in the picture that you would draw would be all the stuff that you can't see with the naked eye, right? But that you know is there. So you would imagine, yeah, you've got your smart fridge, but then you've got these beams sort of radiating out from it. And you've maybe got a line that connects it over to your phone or to your Alexa. Um, maybe you've got this halo of information pulsing out of your, your cat. Um, or you imagine um, the data you know, the, the, that they're exchanging, these little packets of information that are kind of pulsing through the air. Um, all this content, invisible content. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, we, we, 
we know, we understand, we accept that the most important part of the technology that we're living with is invisible. Um, this is, you know, nobody would kind of argue with you and say that the most important bit of, of part of the Internet of Things is the thing, right? Everybody knows it's the data and the connectivity and the computing um, and the information, the intelligence. Um, what's funny is then when we think about people and places where we live, work, and play, where, you know, that are, that are interacting with this Internet of Things, um, we forget about the fact that the people and the places have our own invisible network. Right? We are constantly communicated to everybody, um, connected and communicating with everybody around us, passing unspoken data, implicit information, um, shared intelligence that we're passing across and processing without even thinking about it. You know, and this is our cultural reality, this is our social reality, this is our unconscious. Um, and yet we often th don't really think of our social reality as real, right? So we accept that all the invisible bits of technology are really important, but we kind of downplay the importance of all that invisible stuff in, in the human world and in the human system. And when I'm thinking about the IoT world, when I'm designing for these experiences, my key question is how do I get those two systems to communicate and to work together in a better way? Um, if you think about it, most of the time right now, we're trying to get humans to talk on the tech network. Um, even in these really advanced conversational technologies that we're starting to get in our homes, we still have to learn their language and figure out how to get them to do what we want them to do. And we're plugging people into the technology network in order to harvest people's data and do with it what the technology wants to do with it for the technology ecosystem's own sake. Um, but, you know, if you ask the question in reverse, how do we build the technology so it's participating in our human network? our network of families, of societies, of cultures, of companies, um, and deliver value back within the human network, I think that starts to get much more interesting. Um, I think of the way that, you know, we, we look at the problem that we have in the world. We think of um, like the way they're all feeling lonelier and less connected to other people, more anxious and finding it harder to, uh, to make friends or have relationships or, all this good stuff and this is like this isn't just a feeling this is the reality this is this is what what it, people are experiencing and it's true it really is harder to have good relationships these days um and our first response is that we blame our inability to have good relationships right now on the social media and the new technologies we put the we put the technology in the center of everything and see it as the source of everything good and bad that's happening us in the world today um it's and and we definitely see technology as something that happens to us not something that human beings make in order to meet our own human network of values and beliefs you know so i think it gets much more interesting when the technology is looking at my human network and interconnections with people and it's not about selling me better advertising but it's about noticing things like if i talk to my mother before i talk to my sister I wind up feeling really jealous and fed up and um, irritated with them both. But if I take time to Snapchat with my sister before I talk to my mother, and I've got a few tidbits of information to pass her about what's going on with the kids or whatever when we're Skyping, 
I feel much more connected to both of them. I feel like the hero in the middle of the story and we're all happier. Um, you know, that's not about the technology. That's about my own, you know, I might be having the communication via, via technological channels, but I'm changing my behaviors. I'm making different decisions about what I'm doing because technology has given me a superpower, has given me an insight into my humanity um, that I didn't have before. Um, so that's, that's how I think about designing in the, in, in the internet of things world is, is, is it's my world. It's, it's my network. It's my communications. How do I make the technology live in that world? How do I help it communicate in my system of communication and emotion and experience and meaning and give me superpowers that actually make me more human rather than, than less human? And, and I think that, that that's going to be the interesting trajectory over the next 10 to 20 years. I think that's a really important point and something that we've talked about here on Navigating the Noise multiple times now of understanding that everything we do is about people. It's, and, and I think you did a great job there talking about how it's not, you know, it's about not only the people and, and getting it to interact with people and making that as frictionless as possible, but understanding that network, that, that people network, that, that network of relationships. And I think for most business professionals, if you are successful, that you actually understand that you you don't have to be the ceo of a design company in london or do you have to be a, a social scientist you inherently understand how people act and interact with each other as you say like even with family we have an understanding of those relationships so understanding that the goal is to ultimately enable those relationships and the internet of things is just there to help out um, so i think that is a Really, really helpful and amazing insight. Uh, so Julie Jensen Bennett, CEO of Precipice, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, the insights I think will be really, really helpful and uh, we really just appreciate it. So thank you so much. You're welcome and I look forward to talking to you again. Hello everybody and welcome to the What Matters section of the podcast where we take the broad features that we just explored and figure out what matters to CHPA members as well as the corporate housing and long-term rental industry. So. On today's podcast, we're talking about the Internet of Things, sort of IoT, and both the promise and the perils. So from a technology standpoint, what's coming from the Internet of Things, the ability to put this computational power and put sensing and put smarts into all these different devices and get them all talking together? What's the, what's the promise? What are the things that are going to come? But then also, what's the reality of it? What's the pragmatism? So certainly we're all here to do business. So how can we start applying the Internet of Things today to the business that we're doing and what might it mean for our tomorrow? So we're going to have a conversation about that. And as we normally do in this section of the podcast, I'd like to introduce my co-host for this segment, Marianne Passy, CEO of CHPA. Welcome back to the show, Marianne. Hi, Brian. You've pulled together quite a, an interesting group of uh, people uh, to help us explore these some questions of these areas. So who have, you, who have you brought for us today, Marianne? We've got three terrific people on the phone with us today, So, and, and three men that I enjoy working with very closely. So the first is Mark Stromwasser, CCHP, and he's the president of Sunshine Rentals. Sunshine Rentals focuses on providing superior products and extraordinary services in the corporate housing industry. So his goal is to make business operations even more efficient through the use of technology and um, for him, easy to do business isn't just a goal, but a daily accomplishment. So he's got more than 32 years of management experience in the hospitality and high-tech industries. So his perspective is completely relevant to today's topics. 
Uh, we also have Henry Luber. Um, Henry is co-founder of Synergy Global Housing since 1999. Synergy has expanded worldwide between 1999 and 2017. And in 2017, Synergy became part of Ascot Limited. So together, they're now serving clients in more than 71,000 units worldwide. And they're, some doing, they're doing some um, great innovative things with technology. And I know that that's a passion of his. And so he's going to share that passion and uh, that perspective with us today. And lastly, but certainly not least, we, have, we are welcoming back Adam Shearer um, to the CHPA uh, discussion today. Um, he's currently Senior VP for Owner Franchise Services for Marriott International. And there he's responsible for both strategic franchise relationships with Marriott Select and their extended stay brands. So he's been with Marriott since 1996, and he's led efforts in new product development, brand acquisitions, uh, development finance, market conversions, operations, franchise services, and also the development of Marriott's uh, temporary housing franchise program. Um, and prior to this role, he was um, overseeing Marriott Executive Day and also a past chair of the CHPA Board of Directors. So welcome, gentlemen. Excellent. Well, Mark, Henry, and Adam, uh, welcome to the podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining us today as we explore the future and the realities of the Internet of Things. And so let's just, let's just dive right in and get things started. So, Mark, I wanted to ask you first. So how are you currently seeing these Internet of Things, these IoT technologies, how are you seeing these connected technologies affect your business? The Internet of Things is, gonna, is affecting our business today, and it's going to affect it, uh, I think, every year going forward, and maybe every six months, maybe every three months, depending on how quickly various areas uh, can deploy it. For example, in our warehouse operation, we have some very smart uh, washing machines. You know, what makes a washing machine smart? It knows the temperature, it knows how much water to put in, it knows how much soap and detergents to put in. But you know the one thing it can't do today? It doesn't tell us when it's out of those detergents or the uh, softeners. And the Internet of Things uh, is actually changing that with these smart uh, little sensors that are going to go into the dispensing jugs. And that's coming online right now for us. So it's very exciting. It takes the people out of the equation and having to look at that uh, every day. Um, on another side of the fence, on the corporate housing side and the corporate apartments, it gets very exciting for us when we can have a smart TV in there that when our installers walk into the unit, it would immediately be recognized. It could tell us it's online, it's got the internet, if it's been used, if there's any accounts that need to get reset, we could set the lighting, we could set the temperature of the apartment uh, back to its defaults. You know, imagine someone's been in there for 90 days, maybe they like it warm. Um, the next guest maybe doesn't, so we can set a standard and say, hey, every apartment's going to be at 76 degrees. Our installers take their smartphone out and they hit a button and it resets the AC, it resets the lighting, maybe it even adjusts the blinds for us, and at the same time, maybe it clears out um, the smart TV's uh, prior settings. Maybe it wipes out their Netflix or Hulu accounts that were on there and brings it back to that baseline so the next guest gets that standard of service that we want every guest to have. So. For me, it's very exciting um, to see this interconnectivity, um, to be able to quickly on one device see what's going on, whether it's in our warehouse environment um, or if it's in a corporate apartment or even our vehicles on the road. Uh, the Internet of Things is coming into play there where we can get diagnostic information from the engines of the trucks 
and let us know when a yellow light comes on. Is that uh, something we need to be concerned about immediately, or is that just a reminder that we need to change an air filter or do an oil change in the next couple of days? So for me, uh, Internet of Things is a lot of things out there, and getting things connected is always a good thing. That's great, Mark. And I, uh, connected washing machines and smart washing machines. I love that. I love finding sort of that really specific thing. You know, certainly people have heard of the, the connected vehicles and getting those efficiently connected TVs, but wow, connected washing machines. But it's great. Of course, that makes perfect sense. And I think a really great example, again, a really pragmatic example where this connectivity actually really does matter. So, Henry, I want to move over over to you. So, what are you seeing when it comes to the Internet of Things? How are you seeing it affect your business today? Well, very similar to Mark, but from a customer perspective, we're seeing the customer today wanting two things. Number one, ease of doing business. They want us to make it easy. They want us to streamline everything from point of sale when they make the reservation off their mobile device to checking into their apartment. And then for us, I think if there's a way to, to invoke some emotion so the apartment wraps its arms around the guest and the apartment stay becomes exciting. So some of the things that we're seeing integrated in from a technology perspective are smart door locks, door locks that can be accessed through your mobile device. So you don't necessarily need to go back to the old key to check into the apartment. You can do it via your mobile device. Inside the apartment, we're seeing voiceover concierge. Devices like the Amazon Echo connected throughout the apartment so that when the guest checks in, it becomes fun. The Echo, you can say, Echo, please adjust the mood lighting. We're integrating into some of our apartments colored lighting to make it fun and exciting. You can adjust the thermostat inside your apartment. Voiceover prompts. You can file a service request, voiceover prompt, inside your apartment, fully integrated with our system so the customer can, through voice, file a service request and then get updated when that service request is taken care of. Anything that you can think of inside the apartment, we're trying to find ways to use these technologies to make it easy and to make it exciting and fun as well for the customer. Henry, that's one of the things that on previous uh, episodes of the podcast that we talked about is really that, you said that guest experience, that consumer experience and how they act and interact with the property. And I think you're right. One of these things that the Internet of Things and all these connected devices can do is you know, if somebody wants something, they just ask for it, um, which really, if you start thinking about it as we, as we craft and start thinking about the future, that becomes a really interesting kind of relationship that people have with their physical space. And these, these, these connected devices kind of allow people to do that. Um, so, Adam, what are you seeing? What are you seeing with all these devices, all that connectivity, all that intelligence? How is it affecting your business today? So I, I would echo everything Mark as well as Henry said, if you think about from either the back of the house, from laundry equipment, to sort of in the room, and from the hotel perspective in public spaces, I think there's a set of guest expectations that you're going to be implementing that. And even on the owner and franchise side, what are the things are we doing to make sure that we are efficiently running or providing guidance on how to uh, create cost-efficient ways to run hotels. I think from my perspective, if you look at immediate impact, I don't know if it's there yet because all these technologies, they're new, they're growing rapidly, as again, Mark said. He's looking at timeframes of three to six to 12 months from a technology perspective. That's, uh, that's kind of uh, quick, we would agree. And then when you think about our scale, talking about thousands of hotels, a million uh, rooms, 
it's going to take a bit to get our uh, rooms prepared, whether it's fiber running into the hotel to the actual installation, and we have to partner with our owners and franchisees. But we know undoubtedly it's on its way. Um, you, you look at some of the stats, and it's kind of fascinating. So you have the larger uh, world of the Internet's changing from sort of text searches to voice searches because of all these great technologies, it's something we all need to respond to. If we're going to be relevant and we're going to meet guest expectations, then we absolutely need to be implementing the technologies. But my perspective is we're definitely at the beginning uh, of what's going to be a really exciting future uh, for all of us because it's going to be able to drive personalization and customization in ways we've only dreamed of uh, to have that come to whether it's a uh, corporate housing unit to an extended stay unit or, you know, transient unit for us, then it's fantastic from a guest experience perspective. And that's a, a very healthy dose of pragmatism there mixed with optimism. I appreciate that. But yeah, I think you're right that we do have to remember that when it comes to all these devices, and especially as you start to roll them out, as you said, at the scale say, of what you're doing, that there is there's promise, but again, there needs to be that pragmatism to say there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be in place. And there's, you know, as you roll these out is, you know, you want to do it correctly. Um, so I think it is interesting to hear, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of really great things like what uh, Mark and Henry are saying that can really happen today. But it does kind of lead us to say, all right, it's coming. We know it's starting. And then like with the smart washing machines or some of these other connected devices like connected TV, certainly people are sort of expecting connected TVs. And as you said, it's starting to expect voice search. You know, if you have your voice search at home, then you know, having a voice search um, in your unit is probably going to be something that is, is not just a nice to have, but is just normal. Uh, but there is the, the issues of scale and the issues of business as we're looking to the future. And that's, Mark, I'm going to kind of pivot to the future and, and go back. I've got a, another question I, I want to put to the three of you. So we've talked about what's going on today and what you're seeing kind of in the near term. But what about in the long term? Like as you start to look a little bit further out, maybe, you know, a couple of years, maybe five years or so out past the kind of the planning that you're doing today and just now moving more towards the thinking, what are you what are you hopeful about as you think about all these connected devices in, in the Internet of Things? But then also let's flip that over and what are you worried about? What What are the things you think we need to proceed with caution or things that, that you are um, even maybe more than just being sort of pragmatic about it, that you're a little skeptical. Um, and then when, with those two ideas in mind, what are you doing today? Like you, all three of you have mentioned some of the things that you're starting to do, but what, what are the steps you're taking today to get to kind of move towards that positive future and move away from that negative? So what do you think, Mark? You know, I, I think what's always exciting about technology is the the unknown. Um, you know, the Internet of Things is really reliant on something that's the Internet, and we take that for granted. Sometimes we expect to have LTE service everywhere we go. We expect the Internet connection in our office or our home to always work and perform, you know, at that at its peak uh, point. And I think when uh, the Internet doesn't perform at its peak point, this technology will really, unfortunately, come down to its knees. Um, and that that's the thing that kind of always worries somebody, but the key is to um, know it's new and new things will have little road bumps. And when you have bumps in the road, that's okay. You just have to slow down. You maybe have to adapt. You have to apply the technology a little more uh, in a forgiving way, potentially. But in the long run, I'm, I'm really excited about it because at the end of the day, can you imagine a coffee maker that 
is on a network that can tell you, hey, my heating element just burnt out. And before the guest goes to make coffee the next day, we got this email or some alert or something that says coffee maker is bad in apartment, you know, one, two, three, four. And we happen to swap it out you know, or let the guest know, hey, we got an alert that your coffee maker is not happy and we'd like to come in and swap that today. To me, that's just an amazing thing. Uh, whether it's the coffee maker, or the TV, or maybe the refrigerator's not defrosting correctly, you know, all these appliances that are in there that can talk to us. Or back to Henry's point, imagine the guest uh, arriving in that apartment and being able to say, you know, welcome to your new Synergy uh, corporate apartment, and let me give you a quick tour. To me, that's just super exciting, let, having, you know, an interaction walk them around the apartment. But again, that fear is, you know, do we have the quality of the internet? Will that speaker be in every room when that guest walks around? What if the guest has a English accent or the next person has an Indian accent or they're like me from Southern California and they use slang like, hey, dude, what's cooking? You know, is, is the voice recognition going to understand that? Are we going to still be in this command and control mode or will we actually take the next step and get conversational voice recognition? And I share that because 15 years ago, I was in the voice industry, and it's exciting to see it get where it is today with command and control, but the real key is to getting it to that conversational mode. Yeah, you can begin to see that that really does kind of kick it up a notch in sort of the, the relationship and, the, and what people can want and ask for and kind of get. But yeah, I think you always have to have that worry of having those uh, fail-safes. Um, and so, as you say, when things don't work 100%, then what? That doesn't mean everything falls down. It doesn't mean that everything, you know, we have to have a sort of resilience built into our plans. And it's always, I think, a, a good idea to kind of think about as these technologies, they're going to afford us just amazing things. But what happens when they don't work? Because, again, myself, uh, um, also coming from the high tech industry, being a, a technological futurist, what I often tell people is there's one thing that you can always count on when it comes to technology is that it will break. Um, but that's okay. Exactly. We know that, right? We know that it will break. Um, so let me, um, Henry, let me move over to you. So as you start to look out to the future, what, what are you hopeful about? What's the, the future you want? What's the future you want to make sure from business standpoint that we avoid? And, and what are the steps you're taking today? So I think that uh, first off, I would say if you were to ask many of uh, our leaders four years ago <clears throat> how they viewed their companies, they would say they were hospitality companies. I think in today's world in corporate housing, we're looking at ourselves differently. Many of us might view ourselves as technology companies that participate in hospitality. That's how important technology is. I think we're talking about being able to book real-time, worldwide, staying connected with the inventory, the in-room technologies, voiceover, concierge, walking into your apartment and finding out where the best restaurant in the Chelsea area is, et cetera. But I think what probably worries me most is making sure we don't forget this is a people business and it still is hospitality and we're here to take care of people so that technologies don't get to the point where we lose that it becomes impersonal and we lose the connection because we're still going to have to, as you say, technologies are going to break. We're still going to have to make sure our associates recognize and respect once in a while we need personal communication and we need to stay connected to our customers. Around the world, there are very complex marketplaces. Technology is going to be an aid to making doing business much easier, much better, very exciting. But the industry itself, I hope we don't lose sight of, and for our organization as we look forward, just making sure we respect and recognize that at the end of the day, it's still a people business, 
and we're here to take care of the customers. So I hope our organization doesn't lose sight of that and lose that personal touch. Henry, I would say that that's, that's really a requirement, like always remembering that everything we do is about people and that it is a people business. And actually, I would push it even further. We talked about this on, a, on an earlier episode of the podcast where um, we are going to have more technology. We know we're going to have more technology, especially the Internet of Things tells us that, but also smart cities and artificial intelligence and all these amazing things. But I put forward that the more technology we have, and I love, Henry, that you said, you know, you, you might just be a, a technology company that participates in hospitality, but we know we're going to have more technology, but the more technology we have, the more of a premium that gets put on that human experience, that really right. that human experience really, really matters. Um, and so it might just be a light touch. It might just be a little bit, but that is going to be so, so important when we're spending a lot of time sort of interacting with, with machines. So I, an excellent, excellent point. So Adam, let me um, let me pass it to you. When you're looking out to the future, what are you what are you hopeful about? What's the future you want to avoid, and and what are the steps you're taking today? So <clears throat> let me pick up on Henry's point because I think that's sort of critical in terms of ultimately we're still I think in the business of providing a great guest experience, and uh, and I think that's critical for us to look at. So it used to be. I would say that consumers would go to hotels and they would expect the latest and greatest. So think of the, what Weston did with the heavenly bed and sort of raising the bars as it relates to your expectations on sleep. People started buying those beds and putting it in their homes. Well, I think we sort of are reversed a little bit. And now consumers expect a residential experience when they travel. So I think that's 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 where we're going from an industry perspective, if we think broadly about hospitality. And I think that's driven by this expectation that I'm going to be able that these companies, including Marriott, including Henry's and Mark's company, that we're going to be able to deliver a customized, personalized, to a very high degree experience for them. Um, and I'm hopeful about that. I think that will come with all the investment and all the connectivity and all the rapid changes are coming that we will absolutely get there. And then we'll pull it through. We'll pull it through our loyalty program, through our mobile app. We'll be able to pull that through into the Marriott room. So I'm really excited. I mean, the future, when you think about from a consumer perspective, is incredibly exciting. It's daunting, I think, to those who make it happen uh, for all the reasons all of us said in terms of the making sure the technology is working, as Mark said, terms of making sure that we don't forget the basics, as Henry said, that it really is about, uh, you know, delivering that uh, personal touch. But from a consumer perspective, they will be able to walk into one of our rooms, public spaces and go, oh, I feel like I'm at home. I feel comfortable. They're being responsive to my needs. So I think that's great. Uh, I think what worries me is that digital needs to be hospitable. Uh, we need to make sure that tech doesn't get in the way of these great experiences. Uh, a colleague uh, said to me that any time a customer needs to fight with technology, you failed that customer. And I think all of us are probably cautioned by that to make sure that we're able to deliver on the brand promise uh, that we have. You look at jurisdictionally, you look at what Europe just implemented, the EU, EU around GDPR, general data protection regulation, and 
uh, talked about issues around privacy, and we were doing voice search searches and customization. That's all tempered there. We talked around sort of the investments that are required by our owners and franchisees. Those are all things of concern to a degree that's part of the business that we have to keep evolving. If not, we'll all be left behind. So they sort of are two sides of the same coin. Um, but I think there's a lot to uh, think about the future. We're running uh, tests already with Amazon. Uh, we're ramping up on Amazon Echo. We're partnering uh, with great technology companies, staying close to the technology, doing proof of concepts in our hotels, talking to consumers, seeing all the trends that are out there, and working with our owners and franchisees who ultimately make these investments to determine at what point are we going to, what bets are we going to making at what point that we believe that will drive an ROI for them. So uh, a lot, a lot for all of us to contemplate as we move into the future. Yeah, Adam, and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned that. that. That's something that we frequently talk about here on, on the podcast is the importance of prototyping, the importance of dabbling and trying Right. Certainly, uh, like like all three of you gentlemen sort of understand the business, have deep, deep understanding and deep bench strength and kind of understanding this sector. So being able to say, OK, could we use this technology? What would it look like? Who could I partner with? I don't have to do it all by myself. And yes, ultimately, what's the ROI? Because, you know, at the end of the day, this is they're all businesses. These are businesses. And businesses you know, certainly are about, you know, giving the, the, the customers and, and people a great experience, but it's also about, you know, getting a return on that investment. So, hey, Marianne, I want to pull you in here. So as a, as what have you been seeing? You know, you spend so much time on the road, so much time out talking with folks, talking to members. When it comes to the Internet of Things, what are, what, what are people saying to you? What are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing a couple different things. Um, so I I agree with all the comments that this gentleman made, um, and I really liked Adam's comment that digital needs to be hospitable. So um, let me come at it from two different sides. First, I want to come at it from the guest experience. So we've got really great, generous members. So when I travel, um, I quite often am hosted by a member company in a corporate apartment. So I get to see what they're doing and stay and experience it from the guest side, just as the guests do. Um, so it's gotten easier. Thanks to technology, um, uh, Adam's uh, comments, you know, on guest expectations, uh, what people are experiencing at home, expect, experiencing or expecting the residential to be where they're staying when they travel. That's that is, um, you know, I I fall into that category as well. You get used to it, um, and so I'm, um, and I'm sorry, Adam, on the Marriott hat that you wear. Um, when I go to hotels, then I'm like, oh, well. This isn't like my last corporate department or service department. Um, but what Henry was saying between mobile apps, uh, you know, being able to have everything in my phone, with, uh, being able to have a virtual key, get into the apartment, have all my questions answered, um, check in that way, especially if I'm traveling somewhere I've never been before. It's late. I'm traveling by myself. I need to get into the apartment. It just simplifies the whole experience. It's just a much more pleasant, easy process to get in. In the apartments, you know, seeing some things, you know, smart TVs, smart speakers, um, you know, we're seeing those. And I think now I'm going to switch the association aside for a minute. Um, I think members are figuring out how to take an industry that uh, was that began as people and relationship based um, and trying to keep those connections Henry spoke about. Uh, with service is often the, the um, only differentiator, and now technology is becoming another differentiator. How do they take care of the people staying in corporate housing and use the technology to enhance it? Um, how do they keep those relationships that they've built 
um, person to person and ensure that that doesn't go away just um, by trying to make it easier and try to enhance the guest experience. So um, we're actually going to be testing out smart speakers at the CHPA conference in 2019 in Puerto Rico uh, and going to play with that a little bit so that some of our members that maybe haven't um, experienced that or aren't using that in their uh, units yet might have a chance to play around with it. So um, we're also trying to create best practices around, you know, Adam just mentioned GDPR, uh, trying to help them navigate um, those requirements as well. So as people try to Im improve and um, evolve their technology offerings, we can also help them protect both their guests' uh, privacy and their own company's security. That's really that's uh, really good insights, and I'm I'm glad that we're going to have the, the the smart speakers at the event because I think it's always good to let people kind of wade into the to the IoT pool a little bit slowly, just to, to dip their toe in and, and to be able to do it among friends. I think is is, uh, is always good. Well, listen, I think uh, you know certainly all four of you have had just really just really amazing perspectives on all these different aspects of the Internet of Things, right? That it isn't just one, we need to understand that it is back of house and front of house, that it is about technology, but it's also about people. And it's also not about just about duty of care when it comes to taking care of people who are in the properties, but it's also probably going to be about duty of care of their data as well, to understand that as we start to have these connected devices, that we're going to have to be able to uh, Put the security in place. Understand what the what the, the what the, the data policies are, and kind of putting all of that and knowing that all that's going to come, knowing that there's an incredible amount of promise, as as we've all talked about on on today's show, that that you'll be able to do some amazing things, not only from the guest experience, but even from that predictive maintenance. That's one of the things as, as I talk to folks, not only uh, in this industry, but in the energy industry and in other industries where being able to use all of these sensors and these connected devices to be able to not only do uh, preventative maintenance, but to do predictive maintenance and to be able to kind of batch those types of things, which also, you know, as you mentioned in the scenario, it means that for the person who's living in that space, you, they really do feel taken care of because you do swap out that coffee maker really even before it does break. So you begin to set this really high expectation, which, which could be, could be incredible. So, so definitely amazing perspectives from all four of you, but, uh, Mark, Henry, and Adam, I want to thank the three of you for joining us on the podcast today. So thank you so much for coming. And, and as always, Marianne, a great, great crop of people. You're always outdo yourself uh, for this section. I want to appreciate the, the people that you brought in, the perspectives that you brought in, and also what you've been seeing. So thank you so much, Marianne. You're very welcome. Thank you, BDJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third and final section of the podcast, Three Things to Do. Here is where I bring on the CEO of CHPA, Marianne Passy. We discuss what are three things that you can do today to start preparing for this future of the Internet of Things in the real world. And that's where we really want to give you that pragmatic steps, those things that you can do. Um, and so let's get started. So as usual, I want to welcome back Marianne Passy. Welcome back, Marianne. Thanks, Brian. All right, let's dive right into our to our three things to do. And I'm I'm very happy of the, the three things to do that we have today. Uh, because I, I have never been able to actually say this on three things to do um, in, in the past. So the first of the three things to do that you can do to prepare for the future is play. Play. Play around with the Internet of Things. 
You know, the idea of a smart speaker, when people have talked about that, have you, have you played with a smart speaker? Do you have one in your home? Do you have one in your office? What's it like? Uh, to see how other people interact with it. Going back to what uh, Julie Jensen Bennett talked about at the top of the show, like understanding that it's not just about the speaker itself. It's not just about an Alexa or Google Home or a Siri. It's about the relationships and about the interconnected. And to really kind of understand that, you've got to just play with it, right? Have some fun with it. Think about not only how you would use it, how your other family members, but also how you know other clients and other folks would use it as well. So I think that's the the first of the three things to do, I would say, would be would be play. Well, we're actually playing with them a little bit at CHPA events, at upcoming CHPA events. So we're working on how we can program them to answer some of the questions, provide information and directions, and really try and influence how members are experiencing their interaction with us at the events. If you can't find you know, an actual um, human, uh, one of the CHPA team, uh, we're going to try and use these to actually give you uh, members that are coming to our events or people that are attending, give you the information you're looking for. So to um, kind of cut down on the frustration you might find with you, one of us is not immediately available. And I thought that our guests were really interested, interesting in how they're using some of the smart speakers. And um, Henry mentioned implementing you know, colored lighting, for example, that you can have the smart speaker adjust when you come into one of their apartments or changing a choice in music. You know, the real impact is what Julie mentioned. How does this immediate kind of redesign of the surrounding environment impact how um, a client or a guest feels coming into your apartment? So from the beginning, this will color how they view and how they, how they gauge their stays. And I think Adam also mentioned something pretty interesting, uh, moving to uh, voice prompts and searches. And that's an easy way to use these smart speakers. So even though technology continues to grow rapidly, this is a small, relatively inexpensive way that member companies can start implementing this and, and play around with it to see uh, you know, what other creative ways they can use it uh, in their apartments and in their companies. Yeah, and that first step is to play with it, is just to understand that it's so incredibly natural to just ask for something. So if you're doing a search, you want to know where your the best restaurant is, or where you can go get milk, or where you can go, you know, what's the best Chinese food? You just ask for it, and it's it's really kind of a, it's a wonderful experience, and that's why I really do encourage people to play. And and how wonderful, Marianne, to actually be a, have members be able to come up at the different events and be able to to play around with it. And you know, <laughs> if they break it, that's okay. The HPA will take care of it. <laughs> you don't have to worry that's about true. breaking the technology. <laughs> All right, so that's let's true. move to our to our second uh, of the three things to do, and that is question. Question your vendors about the implementation of the Internet of Things around their strategies. As you start working with your different vendors, whoever they might be, whether they be uh, vendors that are bringing things in to properties or just vendors in general, I think you can learn a lot from what other people are doing. We are still early enough in the rollout of the Internet of Things in the real world, in real business, that people will talk about it. Um, and just to hear what other people are doing, and maybe not just people in this industry, but other vendors and other people you uh, may come into contact with. I think it's, a, it's an interesting thing 
and you can use possibly some of the um, insights and things that you've heard on this podcast on navigating the noise as a way to start conversations with people to say, oh, well, we heard that this is what some people are doing. What are you doing? What's, what's your strategy? And you may find that some of them are doing nothing, which again is, is just fine, but then you can find out why they're not doing anything and maybe get a little bit of a different perspective. So I'm always a big fan of, of kind of questioning and networking and asking folks what they're doing. Uh, what do you think, Marianne? You know, networking and partnering is a key element of the relationships uh, within and among CHPA members. So I think it's great that this is one of the things that we're advising people to do is ask because there might be some cost savings or efficiency savings in the relationship between some of these partners and how some of your partners work for your company. So I know that we had discussed smart TVs, washers, um, keyless control, uh, temperature control, uh, a lot of these things can streamline and connect operations teams. And so if that's improving the efficiencies of the teams and gets issues identified more immediately and resolved more immediately, again, that ties back to um, you know, the, the overall experience of the guest or client. Uh, Mark mentioned uh, what's exciting to him, the unknown of the new technologies and discovering what you can do with that. So I would challenge our members to really think about all that's possible via these partnerships and the people that already exist in the industry and see what can be accomplished together to offer something new. Um, we had kind of a test smart apartment in one of our um, one of our events and I didn't even realize all the things that our members were doing. So that was that was pretty cool to see it all come together and it was a partnership through um, some of our associate partners and a corporate housing provider companies or several corporate housing providing companies. So I think asking and questioning is a great place to start. Yeah, and you really start to, to learn and you can start to focus on, on that, that ROI. And that, that does bring us to our third of the three things to do. And they are kind of additive, right? So first, if you haven't played with the technologies, right, play with it and just get comfortable with it. Go to the CHP, CHPA events and play around with it. Then question other people now that you've kind of listened to this podcast and you've kind of gone out and you've talked to people and you've networked and found out what they're doing. Um, the final of the three things to do is launch launch a pilot. Now, here on the on the podcast, we don't normally say, okay, now it's time to go do this, or it's time to start spending money, or it's start time to, to developing a, a solution. But I think really, when it comes to the Internet of Things in the real world, I've got to tell you, it's time. It is time. Uh, you don't want to be left behind. Um, and as many of the, our guests today have talked about, it really is time to launch, to go and think about how can you best use this technology? How can you use it um, in properties, how could you maybe even use it in the office? How, what ways could you do it? But it's just a pilot, right? You're not going all in. You are kind of dabbling. But the reason why I call it a pilot and, and other parts of three things to do in uh, the other uh, episodes, we've gotten a little bit more specific around develop this or have this strategy. And the reason why I call this one a pilot and launch a pilot is really focus on ROI, return on investment. We talked about it earlier in the show. How are you using this? to make your experience better, to make your guests experience better? How are you using it to make the experience better behind the scenes? Again, whether it be through maintenance or whether it be through giving a more frictionless experience, but it's really important to not just make it work. And this is what Julie Jensen Bennis told us about early on. It's also about that human relationship and what humans are doing with it and what's going on behind the scenes. That ties back to money and that ties back to ROI. And I'm always very pragmatic when it comes to this and say, you should launch a pilot and then see 
how does it pencil out? That's why I think it's, it's very, very important. What do you think, Marianne? Brian, Julie's insights were really fascinating. So she spoke about experiences evoking emotions, and then the emotions that they evoke determines the value of that overall experience. So the advice to not ignore the experience um, at all is really important. Then she went on to also tie expectations versus the real experience. Adam, Mark, and Henry all spoke to that there are many and changing expectations on the guest side. And so um, how technology can be used to be more hospitable and make people feel more comfortable throughout the entire process is really critical to consider for, uh, for everyone to consider in today's business. The other part of the ease of doing business uh, the recommendation that members need to look critically at how they're operating their businesses and see how some of those operations can be improved via technology. Henry also mentioned making it part of the overall exciting and fun experience for the client and guests when they're staying with member companies. Adam also mentioned that even if the company or your company is just starting out with these technologies, because guests expect more personalization and customization, these technologies are really critical to making those types of, um, or meeting those types of expectations, makes them happen more seamlessly and effectively. Going back to your point, Brian, about uh, keeping ROI in mind and how does it make sense to implement, um, several of today's guests mentioned that investment, depending on your scale, the investment required in new technology can be significant. So the idea is to try some of these out, at least on a smaller scale. So I like the pilot idea. I also think that not investing in new technology is kind of doing a disservice to your business. Technology will only continue to evolve, expectations will continue to build, and if your company is not able to meet those expectations, eventually you're going to lose clients, um, or you're really going to see declining uh, guest satisfaction surveys. So again, back to Julie's point of you can't control the emotions, but what we can do is think through how we want people experiencing our environments, our atmospheres, on the CHA side, our events, on our member side, their apartments, how they want them to feel and what they want them to experience. We can all start making small improvements to impact these experiences. Definitely. All great insights. So those are our three things to do. Play, question, and launch. And with that, that brings us to the end of our fifth episode of Navigating the Noise, Exploring the Future of IoT in the Real World. It also brings us to the end of season one. The end of season one of Navigating the Noise. I want to thank Marianne Passy so much for being my, my, my co-host and pulling in great people. So thank you so much, Marianne. Thank you, Brian. We also would be remiss if we did not thank the woman behind the curtain, the woman behind the scenes, Shelly Feniger. Shelly has been one of the driving forces behind Navigating the Noise, both on the recording side as well as the uh, website. And although she doesn't like it, when I call her out publicly, I think she deserves it because she does such an amazing job. So thank you to Shelly Feniger. And as we bring this to a close, we also have some good news. This might be the end of season one but we have been renewed. We now move to season two. So stay tuned. Season two will be coming. We're going to be recording it in the fall. Definitely we will be looking for guests and, and pulling in more information. 
but with that, I want to thank everybody for an amazing season one and cannot wait for season two. And so with that, Marianne, do you want to take us to the end of the show? Absolutely. And thank you, Brian, because we couldn't do it without you and the amazing guest speakers that you've pulled in for all of uh, the podcast episodes. So everyone, thank you for listening to Navigating the Noise podcast brought to you by CHPA. Reach out to us and let us know what else you'd like to hear or what else you'd like to ask BDJ or to just stump the futurist. And you can email me those tough questions at map at chpaonline.org or follow us on Twitter at chpaonline or you can always visit our website www.chpaonline.org forward slash future to keep up with CHPA's futurist Brian David Johnson. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Navigating the Noise, brought to you by CHPA. We'll talk to you again soon.